Hey there, we're the Westlot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Hoosier Daddy Scousebo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we continue our summer previews of the teams Northwestern will not be playing, uh, at least in the regular season this year. Uh, with the Indiana Hoosiers, uh, kind of the darlings of the 2020 season, um, after their uh, six and one uh, conference record, um, should they have played in the Big Ten championship? Who is to say? Really, I mean, I, I'll say. I'll tell you yes. what. I'll I'll tell you what they should have played in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, uh, you know that, yeah, in. yeah. Definitely sure. got hosed on that on that front, but. Uh, yeah, magical season last year for Indiana. I mean, they that was really, really something else. Um, only blemish on their schedule was that loss to Ohio State uh, before their their bowl loss. But um, you know, coming back this year, th- there's a lot to like about this Hoosier team. John, let, let's start off with that defense. There's a lot to like about this defense. Um, so, first of all, we've been doing this for a couple of years. What more can you possibly say about the job that Tom Allen has done at Indiana defensively? Um, So he inherited this horrible defensive unit and then labored for years to kind of lift Indiana from really the dregs of the conference in terms of defensive respectability. Um, And then he finally gets them to that point and then they immediately take another titanic leap up. So this was in every way a top five unit in the big 10 last year and it's it's funny so i use defensive coordinator last year kane womack left to take a head coaching gig and what's crazy about that isn't so much that he left to take a head coaching gig it's that the head coaching gig was at south alabama because like this guy helped paint a freaking rembrandt last year like he deserves a little bit better than south alabama but with all due respect to Womack, um, regardless of this DC shift, this unit has Tom Allen's fingerprints all over it, and it returns as much firepower as any defense in the Big Ten. Now, using the words firepower and Indiana defense in the same sentence sounds ludicrous, but it's totally true. This is a unit with serious talent, a unique scheme, and a really clear identity in terms of what it wants to do on the field. So, let's start with the scheme. Indiana plays a 4-2-5. And that 4-2-5 is based on attacking like crazy and trying to create turnovers. And in a lot of ways, it's a different scheme. But in terms of like the aggressiveness of the approach, uh, it's kind of like what Ohio State tries to do. And the fact that Indiana looked so much better last year at doing it with way less recruiting talent, speaks to just how good of a job Allen is doing at IU. And speaking of Ohio State, the tape from the 2020 IU-OSU game really tells you all you need to know about this defense because after giving up a big first-half lead, they basically stoned Ohio State the rest of the way in that crazy comeback. And if you watched, they did it in a really typical Indiana way with just an insane blitz scheme that totally flummoxed the OSU O-line and led to several brutal Justin Fields turnovers. 
and their their corners played incredibly aggressive coverage like, like incre- incredibly well executed aggressive coverage against Ohio State wide receivers in in that same vein and, and were able to convert some of those turnovers and it was yeah it was awesome well there's a reason for that uh, which we'll we'll get to in yeah. a second um but the i mean so the idea is if you take that that sec- that half of that game as an encapsulation of what Indiana's trying to do, that that was not an accident because Indiana led the Big Ten in sacks and turnovers. So these guys are really well-trained at doing this specific thing. And I guess if I was looking for a comparison, the closest comparison would probably be those Duke Division championship teams of years back, um, which also ran that 4-2-5 scheme and tried to attack the same way. But frankly... This IU defense is better than those defenses because this unit has a level of talent that those defenses did not have. And that starts with the aforementioned alluded to Taiwan Mullen. Uh, Simply put, Mullen is the best returning corner in the Big Ten, and it's not close. If you actually watched Big Ten football last year and didn't fall prey to any of the idiotic hype, you know that Greg Newsom was the best cornerback in the conference, and the second best cornerback was Taiwan Mullen. Taiwan Mullen was a major recruit. He is an absolute lockdown stud, and he has been from the moment he set foot in Bloomington. He's so flipping good in coverage, and it unlocks, just like Scuzz says, so much of what they want to do. Because you can just put him on an island and go single safety high and just play crazy downhill against the pass. So that sounds uh, wildly familiar, by the way. Yeah, ex- exactly ex- what Northwestern did last ex- year with Greg. Exactly. Newsom. Yeah. No. Exactly. And I mean, that's where again the the true cream of the crop in terms of cornerback play was more than willing to rise to the surface for anyone who was actually willing to pay attention. And Mullen was right at the top of that group. So at linebacker, IU has Micah McFadden. And what's crazy about McFadden is during the Tigray Scales era, which directly preceded this era, we kind of just assumed that we would probably maybe not see another IU linebacker at that level for another decade of doing this pod. And that we've gotten McFadden so quickly on the heels of scales pretty much speaks to what Allen is doing in Bloomington. So McFadden is maybe a touch overrated statistically because his numbers get jacked way, way up because he's one of the only linebackers who plays in this system and he's always where the action is. But there's no doubt he's gotten better every year he's been in Bloomington. And this is a guy who put up 10 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks and two interceptions in an abbreviated season last year, a really abbreviated season, um, those are phenomenal numbers. So this is a guy who has 20-plus tackles for loss in his career now, and it's really hard not to look at a guy who is a two-star linebacker recruit out of Florida flying all over the place and getting to everybody and not start making Anthony Walker Jr. comparisons. Um, That's the kind of guy they have there right now. So Mullen and McFadden would star for every team in the conference, without a doubt. Um, What's kind of crazy, though, is those two formed the core of Indiana's defense in terms of interceptions and sacks. And keep in mind, Mullen's a cornerback. Um, They combined for nine and a half sacks and five interceptions. So 
that speaks to McFadden's ranginess and to McMullen's ability to play downhill. Um, these guys are just awesome football players. But it also speaks to the fact that I use trying to bring heat from everywhere and just generate chaos. And that stretched across the whole unit. Eight Hoosiers had at least one sack and one pick. That's pretty incredible. Um, so if Indiana has a weakness, it's the lack of a standard pass rush. So it speaks to kind of the construction of the defense. But they have several guys in the interior who are an absolute load, like Demarcus Elliott and Sio Nofa Agatotoa. And that's by design. Like, How long did like, you practice on that name there, uh, Quite a while, that let me tell you. That was really impressive. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to try it again, too. That's the one you'll get. Uh, so um, those are big guys, like 300-pounder plus, you know, way above three, 300 pounds. Um, and James Head Jr. is another really big body at end. And this is a really big deal that I think, again, like you kind of have to be in the weeds on Big Ted football. But Indiana adds one of the best transfers into the conference in Ryder Anderson from Ole Miss, who is a massive defensive end and an impact player for Ole Miss. Um, and exactly the kind of big body who can play that Indiana is looking to get at end. Um, it's, it's a big get for them and for this defense. So with that said, though, none of these guys including Anderson, are real get-to-the-quarterback types. The goal of this group is to absorb offensive linemen, minimize damage against the run, set up third and longs where Indiana can just pin their ears back and bring heat from everywhere. But still, given that Indiana can't get to the quarterback up front and they take a lot of risks, that, as you would expect, leaves them vulnerable to big plays. And that happened a bunch last year. And that's kind of, if they have a weakness, that's their weakness. But... Make no mistake, this is going to be an awesome defense this year. They return almost everybody, including all of their best players, who are several of the Big Ten's best players. They have this non-standard look that most teams don't play, which means most teams don't see it, and that messes with opponents, and they're crazy well-coached. Um, so, we'll, I mean after Scuzz takes us through the offense, like we're going to get to the fact like they have as tough a start to the season as about any team in the country, but they're going to be tacking that slate with what could legitimately be if things break the right way for them. One of the top three defenses in the big 10 at freaking Indiana, which is just unbelievable. Uh, so speaking of that offense, I mean, you, you start and finish at the quarterback position, right? A- absolutely. I mean, I think I think this is what we talked about, or I talked about last year, right? Michael Michael Penix is a really good QB. He's dynamic. He's fun to watch. He had this offense humming last year before he got hurt. But at the same time, if he doesn't get that favorable call against Penn State, I think last year probably gets viewed differently. Yeah. And he is 1 million percent. Like this offense rides or dies with Michael Penix. If he gets injured again for a fourth straight year, um, right. which feels like, like I, <laughs> you, I don't you, want him to get injured. I would yeah, like him to I know, stay I'm healthy. knocking wood on his behalf, right? right? But it's he's been injured each of the last three years, and it just it's it's nerve wracking. Um, I'll, I'll like I'll just say the death behind him does not look great. Um, so my comment about the Penn State this is a little bit of a hot take, but you know he he stretched for that touchdown. They gave it, they awarded it. 
Um, replays may indicate that the ball touched out of bounds or, or touched the ground before it hit the pylon. And um, it was a, it was a little bit of a gift. He wasn't great in that game. He was only 50% completion for 170 yards with a TD and a pick. Like he was not great in that game, but because they won and beat Penn state, one of the, you know, bulwarks in in the east that indiana hasn't been able to 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 supersede they finished second in that side of the conference um it was a incredible season for them northwestern has certainly had analogous uh experiences so i'm not trying to take anything away from indiana but what i'm suggesting is that when you look under the covers Penix really regressed in 2020 in some ways his completion percentage dropped from 69 down to 56 percent he lost a full yard on his yards per attempt as TD to pick his TD to pick ratio improved a little bit, and like, got to be fair here, he only played Big Ten teams, so there were no cupcakes to, you know, roll up stats against. Um, instead of the Nor- the Nebraska Purdue Northwestern crossovers that he got in 2019, he only played Wisconsin as a crossover in 2020. But when you look specifically at the box scores and his performance against Rutgers, Michigan State, and Maryland. He was measurably worst against all three teams in 2020. And I think it's a pretty, it, it, it's a stretch to suggest that any of those defenses were good in 2020. It's hilarious because he was really awesome at a team who, against a team who everyone just chooses to believe is awesome because <laughs> they're just, and that, but I mean, it's true, right? Like that covers, that colors people's perception yeah. of the season yeah. that he had. If he threw for 491 and five TDs against Rutgers, Michigan State, and Maryland, like I would have, like all of whom, all of whom secondaries played better than Ohio State yeah, last yeah. year. Like I don't have any quibbles about Michael Penix. Like I, he's awesome. I love him. Um, but like, I, I, I don't know that he's been that great. I like. I just. I don't think he's that bad. I think 2019 Michael Penix probably didn't get as much of the credit and accolades as he deserved. And I think 2020 Michael Penix maybe got too much. Um, And especially because of what was, you know, probably a little bit of a lucky play against, against Penn state. It's worth noting. He was also less effective running the ball in 2020. Certainly after two prior seasons of being injured, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's going to be true again in 2021. And I just, if he stays healthy, he is phenomenal, and he's got targets and weapons, and he's going to be really, he's going to be the engine that makes this whole thing go on offense for Indiana. If he gets hurt for a fourth straight year, Jack Tuttle replaced him last year. Jack, Jack Tuttle was meh. He was okay against Wisconsin. I think like two through for two hundred twenty yards, maybe close to sixty percent completion. He should have been way better against Mississippi in the bowl game, especially after all, after all the bowl practices. Like I don't know what the heck happened there. Um, I would potentially argue that if Penix does get injured and IU has to call on a backup, that their best backup QB might be their top recruit coming in this year. That's Donovan McCulley. He's a QB out of Indy. He is the highest rated recruit in Indiana's 2021 class. Um, I, you know, again, on offense, it all comes down to Penix. If he stays healthy, this offense is dangerous. Uh, albeit maybe inconsistent, and if he is injured, Indiana takes a massive step back. Um, now, beyond the quarterback position, there are some losses for Indiana to be concerned about. 
Um, at wide receiver, they lost their top pass catcher in terms of volume of catches in Wap Filer, or, or, or um, I don't know if I got that last name right, but well, close enough. Fillier. I think it's Fillier. Thank you. Um, yeah, so he's playing for my Vikings now in the NFL uh, in, in rookie camp. They do bring back Ty Freifogel. Uh, Freifogel caught 17 less passes than Filer, but gained 230 more yards than Filer. So, like, they bring back their deep threat, which is probably more important. Um, they've got a couple of really promising sophomore rece- receivers, and while Filer was the leading receiver for Indian, it seems really plausible that one of these uh, younger players can um, fill in for him and, and replace his production. They also have a four-star transfer from Florida State in uh, DJ Matthews, who contributed uh, particularly as a slot receiver at Florida State this should be more than enough for Penix to work with right like like yes they lose a guy they should be fine running back is maybe a little bit more of a concern so Stevie Scott who was pretty well heralded coming into last year um, had a had a down year uh, averaged less than four yards per carry after being close to five both of the previous two years just did not look great across the board some of that's on the O-line. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But I think it's also fair to point out, like, IU running backs have not been as good in practice as they've looked on paper the last few years. They bring back two guys, Samson James and Tim Baldwin Jr. Um, the, the latter, like, Google a, a Indiana preview on the Internet, and they're talking about how Tim Baldwin Jr. gained six yards per carry last year, and he could be the guy that brings more speed and blah, blah, blah with Stevie Scott gone. Okay, yes, it's accurate. He gained six yards per carry on 22 carries, 16 of which were against Maryland. (laughs) That's not like a body of work that one should be like banking on. So um, I just I don't know what to expect there. You know, like Allen runs uh, an offense that has done well running the ball. But since I who was the guy was was Howard, the transfer from UAB was kind of like the last really good running back I feel like IU has had. And, like, Stevie Scott was pretty good his freshman year and just hasn't, you know, hasn't looked great since then. I just I, I don't know what to expect here. Um, I mentioned the, the the offensive line was rough last season. You may recall me previewing Indiana last year before 2020 and talking extremely highly of this unit. I mean, all the advanced stats had IU's O-line um, higher rated than Ohio State's coming off of 2019. But they suffered a huge drop-off in 2020, especially in pass blocking. So they allowed um, early pressure on 40% of their dropbacks. Now, that may explain some of the some of the Penix regression uh, of just how, like, how much pressure he was under all the time. That also might just be a scheme thing, is that, like, other defensive coordinators were like, shit, we got no choice but to just go after this dude and, and, and hope that we get to him or at least disrupt him. Um. They also had, you know, well-publicized um, COVID issues on the arrow line last year. There was there was a freshman player who uh, was diagnosed with, you know, some of the heart conditions that that were that that folks were worried about um, preseason last year. And so, like, you just don't know what, how that played out in the offensive line room, but that unit struggled. Now that being said, they return four starters from last season plus a transfer who had starting experience at Michigan. So, like. I, I think it's likely that their offensive line improves. Um, you know, regression to the mean here for the O-line means like pr- 
probably being pretty average and, and a lot better than last season. Again, Penix staying healthy, healthy is critical. I think, you know, even if they were to be a little bit less, less lucky in 2021, i.e. that Penn State game, um, even if the, you know, the running back position has some probable drop off, the wide receiver position maybe stays stays flat, but the O line improves a little bit. I like I think this offense can effectively recreate what they did last year. They've got enough you know kind of positives and negatives to balance each other out. And with what John just told you on the defense, like that could be a formula. They don't need much for that formula to translate into potential contention for East champion. What the one big thing standing in their way though obviously being uh ohio state and I mean, and their schedule and their schedule <laughs> I mean, yeah. like you know they're, they're obviously they have all the teams in the east well let's just let's run it through they open up the season at iowa uh come home to play idaho and then cincinnati uh at western kentucky then at penn state uh then they have their bye week before they're home for michigan state and ohio state they're at maryland at michigan home for rutgers home for Minnesota, and then the old oaken bucket at Purdue uh, to finish up the season. But uh, Just, whew. like, go every other. Every other week they get Iowa, Cincinnati, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Like, whoa, Nelly. Um, they're, I mean, Michigan, but we'll Right. You know. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like they play the whole East, and then two of their first three games are Iowa and Cincinnati, and Iowa's on the road. Like, whoa, Nelly. That can, is. Can I just like? I Iowa's on the road, and I know we're not previewing previewing Iowa here, but I, I've already seen like two other like blurbs about the development, quote unquote, of Spencer Petrus. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Sp- Spencer Petrus's highest completion percent last year was he maxed out at sixty four point three percent completion. He did that twice, once against Penn State, once against Illinois. Um, he was 60% complete against Nebraska, and in the other four games was sub-56. And I just, like, Indiana's defensive backfield is going to make life oh. really effing so, hard for Spencer oh, Petrus, and I just ain't worried about that so, opening game. So here's the thing. Like, I've been looking at this schedule, and to me, like, Indiana is the most fun team in the Big Ten. I mean, this side of Northwestern, obviously. But they're I almost think of them as like maybe it's just because I watched just watched the US beat Mexico in a massive soccer game uh, a couple nights ago. But I almost feel like I would approach this if I was an Indiana fan, almost as if I was like a US soccer fan watching the World Cup, being like, Look, it's not gonna end the way you wanted it to. And there are going to be bad moments that go with the good moments. But there will be things you'll take out of the season that you'll have forever. And those will be the things that will ultimately... Like, I don't think Indiana's winning the East. And at the end of the day, you know, this schedule, like, they may win eight games, you know, um, and come in way under what I think their goals are. But they're going to give... Iowa, Cincinnati, Penn State, and Ohio State, awesome games. And they're taking wins out of some of those games. And it just might be Ohio State. And it just might be Penn State again um, on the road in Happy Valley. Like, they're, I don't think they're going to win all those games. But it's funny. I mean, Scuzz, you know, 
talked about it and it's like you're of course white knuckling it with Penix the entire way right and like October 23rd it's it sucks but it's like you're like they don't play the Buckeyes until October 23rd and that's a long way for him to go um but it's and and you know Scus talked about like like the little regression issue and everything but it's like this this is a team that starts a second team all Big Ten quarterback and one of the best defenses in the conference. So and, John, John, what it sounds like you're saying is the tagline for Indiana this year is sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Yeah, exactly. That's it, right? I mean, it's just like your. I, I would hope that Indiana fans can do that. So like, that, just don't. That's the tagline for the fans. But like, if you're this Indiana team, and you've got. Michael Penix in his final every, year. You've got every game on their schedule is winnable. You've got this That's defense. Sure. You've got that cornerback. Like this, yep. they're they're going they're going for it. And oh, like, totally. oh for sure. Because I'm looking at this at this schedule and I'm thinking, man, Ohio State. That's a tough get, especially after playing Penn State and Michigan State the prior two weeks. Now they get a buy in there, which is nice between Penn State and Michigan State. So that's that's you know doable for them to at least like show up in those three games. I mean, for me, if I'm IU, gr- granted it's on the road, but man, when was the last time they beat Michigan? How long has it been? Right. And that did, feels. Did like, they not play? Did they? Was that one of the games that was canceled last season? Yeah. They, yes. I think, yeah. Okay, yeah. Which, like, man, w- w- wouldn't I have loved to have seen that? Because I yeah. think Indiana would have won, and like, yeah, they would have. Michigan was awful last year. I I hate that it's on the road this year, but like. In a vacuum, in in a year where I'm not looking at at the cards on my team and thinking like, man, this is a year we go for it. We gotta we gotta win. We gotta like this is our chance to win the East. We're we're, we're not gonna have a better chance in the three years prior and the three subsequent years than this year to win the East. They gotta go for it every single game. I'm circling that Michigan game. This is a monkey that's been on our back for however long. Let's 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 get them Wolverines right. Um, but I don't think they can think that way this year. I think they have to have really high aspirations. And at Penn State, by Michigan State at home, Ohio State at home, that is a really, really tough stretch. And they gotta, they gotta nail it as best they can. And I mean, we'll see, we'll see where the chips lie, right? Like it, it, it certainly seems like an uphill battle. But, um, but man, I'll be rooting for them. I, th- I think the interesting thing, right, is that like Penix is one of those guys where you know what his ceiling is. And you know if he's at that ceiling, they're as good as any of these teams. But you don't know if he's going to be able to hit it, right? Like, he's one of those guys where it's like, he doesn't always get there. And again, was just like a total mess against Penn State in that game. Um, and like, his line didn't help him out. But it was, like, it was, was the, wasn't it the first game of the year? It was, yeah. It was yeah, I mean, that's the up. only like thing I would say is, is, True. is, is like, after that game, he's, he stayed pretty consistent. Right. So, I mean, and it's like, and you know the level he can get to, right? Like you, his ceiling is the highest ceiling of, mm-hmm. you know, of any quarterback and he's got to stay healthy, but it's like, he still has Freifogel. Yeah. Like they, his deep threat. They, yeah. He's got guys to throw to. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think it's, it's fascinating. I mean, we talked in the Ohio state preview about um, that's, that's a team that's got the weapons to hit Ohio state where they're weak. And, has an awesome defense on the other side of the ball to try to force some turnovers. And, and this is, that's the other thing too, is like turnovers, they ride or die with turnovers. They're so good at creating them. 
And turnovers are, of course, like Russian roulette, like every week. You know, it's like any of these games, you get the right bounces or whatever. But I, I do think, right, like at the end of the day, I just don't think it's all going to come through for them. Like they're, they're the moving parts. Like, and again, like this is, they're not an Ohio State, right? Like they, they need an awful lot of things to break their way. But I do feel like to your point of what you said earlier, like they're going to Penn State and they're going to Michigan. And I think they're taking a win out of one of those. So, and, I, I, and that's for, Hold Such on, a big real, deal for them. Real quick, I got I got to correct what I said earlier. They beat Michigan last year. They, yeah, they, they beat the pants off Michigan last year. They beat them thirty eight right. twenty one. Now it was at home, but right. they they beat both Penn State and Michigan last year. And so, like, I I have to revise what I said. Like, this is this is an all in season. No, oh, it is no bones and, about it. And, and I mean, for an IU fan, like this is the like there's never been anticipation like this because they're they're bringing it in. And it's, I mean, I, I, as a casual fan, I'm like, this is sweet. Yeah. Indiana's appointment viewing every week. Um, and again, it's like, I, eh, maybe not against Idaho. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Rutgers if, if, <laughs> and, and well, Western Kentucky is going to be on CBS sports network. So, you know, look, who, I, how many I mean, people I, actually get that one? Well, Idaho's in Bloomington. If it was in the Kibbe dome, then it would be appointment viewing. You love that Kibbe dome, John. You absolutely love the Kibbe dome. In a glorified airplane hangar, you got to do it. Um, <laughs> For but, the record, yeah. I don't get CBS sports network. So, uh, yeah, as became abundantly apparent in the USA Mexico game. Yeah. Sadly, to God, bring that was painful. Uh, but anyway, um, this yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm stoked for them. I mean, again, it's like they're Iowa and Cincinnati, but you figure you know they'll have Penix at a hundred percent, you know, off the top of those games. And heck, I mean, God, that's I, that's I, the thing. Cincinnati's so good. Oh, oh Cin- I know that's the th- Iowa's so good. I mean, on defense, um, and they're they're. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's just, it's a murderer's row. If they somehow come out of that first three games undefeated, A, they should be a top 10 team uh, and, and, and hopefully will be. Um, But then, then all bets are off. I mean, that team, if they, if they take those three games to start the season, I don't think they will, but I, I think they can get a split and maybe be two and one coming out of there. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like Cincinnati's such an awesome team. Um, Cincinnati, I mean, Iowa and Cincinnati are probably the best two defenses they're going to play all year. Yeah, although Penn State's damn good. I mean, they. I mean, Ohio State's front seven is great. They just can't pass. Penn State's going to have a damn good defense too. But they're they're yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's a big time schedule for a potentially big time team. I love it. So we're thinking. Ceiling 10, God, 11? Assuming, assuming Penix stays healthy. Sure. Big, big assumption, but I yes. Could, I, could see, I could see 10. I could see 10. I mean, it's going to okay. take some luck. Their, their ceiling? Like, if we're going crazy ceiling, 11 and 1, they lose to Iowa, then rip off 11 straight. Penix wins the Heisman. They win the East. <laughs> if, if, if Indiana goes eleven to one, Penix is absolutely winning the Heisman. Yeah, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right about I mean, that at least. I mean, it's like I mean, but that's the funny thing is like that is that going to happen? No, but I mean, if you're an Indiana fan, right, you can put your head up in the clouds right now because you've got this defense and you've got a potentially, you know, within the scope of Indiana football, transcendent quarterback. Um, and you can you can live the dream. I mean, it's great. It's good good for them. Like this is, it's 
there's there's never been a better time to be an Indiana football fan. So good on them. Live the dream. Ride the lightning while you can. On, on the flip side, everything goes to hell. Six and six? Yeah, I mean, they could lose six. Oh, yeah. First, first, I mean, the schedule is brutal. Could they lose more. seven? If Penix I, gets injured, yes, they could lose yeah, eight. If, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say that, right? Because, like, you hate to go low because it's baked into something going wrong with him early, which none of us want to see happen. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. But, but hopefully, hopefully not. And hopefully they get, hopefully... This this turnover defense gets all the turnovers they need in, when it counts in Bloomington, and we at least get to see uh, against Ohio State on October twenty third. If we get nothing else, give us that. That's what I want. Give us that win, Indiana. Anything else to to mention about the Hoosiers before we uh, get out of here? Glad we I'm don't just, play them. Exactly. <laughs> I was just the, you took the words out of my mouth, John. Um, although who knows? Maybe we will. Yeah. There we go. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and uh, close the door on Indiana. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.